Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. All righty. We are going to continue in our walk through the Psalms today. If you're going to be in the Red Bibles, we're going to be on Psalm 23, page 469. 469. And as always, we're going to go ahead and look at what Charles Spurgeon has to say about this particular psalm. Charles Spurgeon's title to this is The Lord, the, the Lord, the Shepherd of His People. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and will fear no evil, the storm breaks on the mountain, but the valley is the place of quietude. And thus often the last days of Christians are the most peaceful of their whole career. The mountain is bleak and bare, but the valley is rich with golden sheaves, and many saints have reaped more joy and knowledge when they come to die than ever than ever knew than they ever knew while they lived. And then it is and then it is not the valley of death, but the valley of the shadow of death. The death in its substance has been removed, and only the shadow of it remains. Death stands by the side of the highway by which we have to travel, and the light of heaven shining upon it throws a shadow across our path. Let us then rejoice that there is a light beyond. No, nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a person's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. Let us not, therefore, be afraid. Very interesting. Psalm 23, it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet, the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we thank you today. Help us to glean a greater understanding of this psalm today as we study it and we look into it. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is a psalm that I've studied quite a bit. And so there's a lot of things in here that we can glean from six verses of Scripture. So verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a declaration of 
the idea that we cannot lead ourselves. A sheep, if you have ever done a study on sheep, has, has anybody ever known anybody that has had sheep on their property and, and yeah, are they very smart? Not usually. They follow wherever they, they want to go. You know, they're, they're very skittish. They're very, um, they scare easy. They're not very, um, they just wander wherever they want to go. They need a leader to lead them. And, in, and an interesting thing about sheep is they, they begin to, they, they know the voice of their shepherd. I read a doc, I saw a documentary and read it in books as well, but back in, and still today in, in Israel, when they have shepherds, they, they still have shepherds that have sheep, and a lot of times back in like Moses' day and all that, they would have a lot of sheep, a lot of shepherds at the same watering hole, and one shepherd could make a noise or make a, a sound, and his sheep would follow and the others wouldn't. So they knew his voice, and that still stands today. The sheep, the sheep can know the shepherd's voice. Number one, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So therefore we are saying that God is our shepherd. And what did the shepherd do in times of the Old Testament and still today? They, what, they protected the sheep. They provided for the sheep. They provided their every everything that they needed food rest and all those things so when we're saying the lord is my shepherd i shall not want we're saying we cannot lead ourselves and we cannot provide these things for ourselves our peace our joy the things that we call good james says comes from above so god provides all the things in our life and we realize that we cannot do it on our own. Verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Green pastures were where they would bring their sheep and where people bring their sheep today. There is plenty of food. There's an abundance of things in a green pasture. There's an abundance of things. Not only do, do they get to, sh just to eat, but they get to rest. He leads me beside still waters. He lays me down in green pastures. It's a place of rest. A still waters, like I said, sheep are very skittish. They get very scared very easily. They won't drink from a roaring river. Did you know that? Because the water scares them. That's why it needs to be still waters, because they will drink from still waters, but not moving waters that are moving too much. It speaks about tranquility. Leads me beside quiet waters. That's quiet. How many of us just love solitude? I love solitude. I love the quiet. I love being around where there's nothing going on. If, if I'm going to read something, if I'm going to sit down and read a book, I've been reading the Sherlock Holmes series from, uh, you know, those. I bought that set because I wanted to read it. And I have to have nobody in the house, nothing going, nothing on, in order for me to be able to comprehend what I'm reading. That's solitude, that's quiet, that's peaceful, that's what I like. And that's what God says he gives us, is he gives us that peace, that solitude, that tranquility, 
The Bible calls it the peace that passes all understanding. We can have peace in the midst of trial when it comes from God. So he gives us this peace. And it says, he, lead, he, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God is a restoration God, isn't he? He restores us. When we mess up, when we sin, when we fall, and we go to him and we repent, he restores us. God in his infinite wisdom, when we go to someone, we have broken relationships and God leads us to go and ask for forgiveness or to forgive someone, he restores that relationship. God is a God of restoring, restoration. He restores my soul. It can be said that we have, we have a peace about what God wants us to do. We have a peace in our soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, like sheep, if God leads, we have to follow those paths. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He doesn't go behind and push us down those paths. That's something we've got to understand with God is he doesn't force us to do anything. He leads us. We have to follow his lead. Sheep follow the shepherd. He leads the way. He protects them as he's doing so. God protects us as he's leading us down that path of righteousness, but we have to follow. We have to follow the path. You might say, well, where's the path? What's the path? Well, the path is right here. This is our roadmap. This is our roadmap. That's why I say so often, get in your Bible and read it, because that's the path. That's the map. That's the roadway. God is wanting us to go down. Do we follow his leading? He's never going to lead us into sinful situations. He's never going to lead us to fail. He's going to lead us in paths of righteousness. Why? So he can get the glory for it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Even though we walk in the darkest times of our lives, some might say that's like the valley of the shadow of death. You're walking in a dark, dark time in your life. Maybe you've experienced loss. Maybe, you've, maybe there's something more tragic than that to you. But you're walking through that. You can know that God walks with you. He walks with you. He, he holds your hand and sometimes he carries you through those things. We would love it if we, say we lost a job or we lost, had some form of loss, if God would just replace that loss with something that he gave us. We'd instantaneously, lost a job, you walk outside to get another one. That's a great thing. Or, you know, you lost your house, God provide one the next day. That's a great thing. But a lot of times, God will walk with us through those times. He will walk through the valley with us. And in the valley, he will show his power and his grace and his mercy in our lives. That's where we know 
that God works. That's where we know where, where God is working, when we walk with him in the valley. You see, God gives us one of three answers. We say, God, help me with this or give me this or do this for us. God will say yes, no, or wait. We like the yeses when they're in our favor. We don't like the no's and we don't like the waits. And that's because that's human, that's, we have been conditioned in society to have instant gratification. And if you look at it, if you look at it in today's society, when I was a kid, when, you, when we were all kids, when I was a kid, there was three channels on TV, right? If the president was on, you might as well just forget it, you know? You might as well just turn it off. But now, I want to watch something new or old, I can go find it somewhere. Instantane, just put it, put it in the search parameters, and there it is. I got my phone out in the truck or on the car. If I want to go to Woodworth, I just plug the address in, and it takes me there. There's no... There's no working for it anymore. We want it now. Microwaves, great thing, right? I don't have one anymore. I haven't had one for about seven years. But when you have a microwave, you want a bowl of soup, put it in a can and put it in a microwave, 30 seconds, it's hot. Cook it on the stove, it might take a couple minutes, but 30 seconds, shaving off a minute and a half. We want things now. Even the internet. It's, not, it's, it's bad enough sometimes we got it at home, but now we've got it on our hips, right? You want to find out something right now, you pull your phone out and you pull up the internet browser and there you go. It's right there. So many people, they don't bring this anymore to church. They got it on their phone. They pull it up on their phone. It's too difficult to grab a Bible. Got my phone, that's fine. It's too difficult to grab a Bible. We got our phone. So we want instant things. God wants to walk with us through our, through our tests and trials. If he gave us everything that we wanted right now, God, I need a house, boom, there it is. God, I need healing, boom, there you go. God, I need a car, boom, there you go. You know what happened to us? It'd be like those, you know, when you have little kids and you just give them everything they want. They pretty much then expect it after so long and then they end up being spoiled brats because you didn't get what they, they didn't get what they wanted. They fuss and they holler and they think if they can make a big, big enough fuss, they'll get what they want. If you have kids, say amen, raise your hand. You've seen all that, I'm sure. I've seen it very much. But understand, God wants us to be able to walk through those times. God has our best interests at heart. It may seem sometimes that he doesn't, but he does. And when we're walking through something, it's because he wants to grow us and he wants to show us his way. It's hard to see his way and his mercy when he gives us everything. But when he walks with us through it, and walks through the valleys and even the mountaintops. God celebrates with us on the mountaintops. You get a promotion at a job, you find out you're going to have a child, you find out you're going to have a grandchild. Those are happy, happy mountain, mountain moments, right? 
God rejoices with us, but he also walks with us in the hard times. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because he's with us. He's with us. You ever do a study on, if you ever do a study on the, the armor of God, do a study on the armor of God in Ephesians 6 because that is a very good um, study on the, the spiritual man, our spiritual man and how God wants us to view ourselves putting on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the chest plate of righteousness, or the shield of faith and chest plate of righteousness and all those things. That's our protection, and that's, our, and that's God's protection for us. And he walks with us, and we'll fear no evil because we have that, sh that armor on. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, David said. Now, if you're a shepherd, um, David's coming off of what he's writing about, what he knows about. His rod and his staff is what he used to protect the sheep. And so he had, to, he had to fight off lions and all those things. So he understands what a rod and a staff can do and understands the importance for protection of a rod and a staff. So he views God and views Jesus here as the shepherd and he is fighting for us. He is fighting off the dangers that are coming our way. Just like David did with the sheep, fighting off the lions and all the things that would try to destroy the sheep. David had to fight those things. David views himself as a sheep, and Jesus Christ, or God, is fighting off the things that would destroy us. That's why he says it comforts him. His rod and his staff comfort him because he knows that Jesus and God are fighting the things that could destroy him. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You prepare a table before me. So we're coming up on Thanksgiving. So we're going to have that setting in our mind of a table that God's preparing and David's viewing. We're going to say turkey and mashed potatoes and all the trimmings are sitting on our table. And it's abundance. And it's things that God would want us to have. These are the things that it says when people say to us, well, yeah, you're going through this. Where's your God? You lost your job. You lost your house. You lost your car. Where was God in that? God's nowhere to be found. Those are the enemies we're fighting. We're fighting the enemy of disbelief. We're fighting the enemy of self. How many times have we lost something or, or had lost and we thought to ourselves, well, I, I guess I'm not good enough. I guess God doesn't care about me. I guess I've been forgotten about. How many times have we done that? That enemy, too, is ourselves. Our own discouragement. God, Jesus, God sets a table before, our, before us in the presence of our enemies. God's provision is there even in the presence of the negative self-talk that we do ourselves. Anybody else here have negative self-talk from time to time? Yeah. I'm a screw up. Why well, I screwed that up. I messed up there. I'm no good. God says, or David says, God prepares a table before us in the presence of those things. 
His blessing is there in the presence of those times when we feel like we're no good. His abundance is there in the presence of, of in times when people try to discourage us from following God. He sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Our biggest hurdle to get over is ourself. Did you know that? That's our biggest hurdle is ourself. We can deal with, I can deal with people that make fun of me or talk back to me or talk bad about me or what I can deal with that but I have a hard time dealing with my own self-doubt and my own and my own things that's my biggest enemy I'm my worst enemy that was the problem with the children of Israel they were their own worst enemy they would do their own thing because they wanted what they wanted they wanted things now that's why they had that's why Aaron made the golden calf. They were too tired of waiting on Moses to come down. So they made their own God because they wanted it now. And that's a human condition we still have to deal with, but we have to understand that in that, God still prepares his blessings. Even though we fight ourselves and we fight other people and we fight attitudes and emotions, God sets that table before us in the presence of that, saying, come and dine with me. Come and sit with me. Come and have supper with me, or come sup with me, as Jesus would say. He sets the table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. So where our abundant blessing is there so much that our cup runs over. Anointing their head with oil was also a thing that they did in the Old Testament to anoint the kings. What was the... What was the reason for anointing their head with oil. The oil was a symbol of the flowing of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. It was the flowing of the presence of God in their life. So when he says, when I anoint my head with oil, he's saying that the presence of God is with me. The presence of God is with me. And the presence of God is with us if we follow Jesus Christ and we truly follow him. If we've asked him to be our Lord and Savior and we're following him, the Holy Spirit is with us. And he says, my cup runs over. The blessings are so abundant that it runs just running over. Sometimes that blessing that's abundant is an is a inhale and exhale. Right? Some days it's just, <sighs> that's a blessing. When you can get up and say, well, I've made it through another day. God, God's got something for me to do. That's a blessing. Sometimes that's running over for us. That's a running over sign. But God has things for us in that. In that it comes, that runs over. God's blessings run over on us if we follow him. He may not, like I said earlier, he may not, heal us right off the bat. He may not give us that next car, next house the next day, but that walking through the valley is a blessing that runs over. Because God could do like he did between the Old Testament and New Testament. He could be silent for 400 years. And he could not speak into his, his people's lives if it got too far. 
He could be silent for 400 years in our lives and we could just be abandoned. But that's not the case. His blessings overflow because he's with us. Just the fact that he's with us, the blessings overflow. He doesn't have to do anything spectacular for those blessings to be, oh, it's a half cup of blessing. Oh, it's a three-quarter cup of blessing. Oh, it's overflowing because God did this and God, no, just God's presence brings about an overflow of blessing. Just the presence of God does that. We tend to gauge it. Well, God, you know, did this little bit of stuff. You know, I wish he would have done that, but he did this little bit, you know. No, that's a blessing, and that's overflowing. Just the, presence, just the fact that his presence is among us is a blessing that overflows. And he goes on. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life as long, and it doesn't say this, but with the understanding is as long as we follow the, the path of righteousness. There are trade-offs for things. If we're following in God's path and we're going in the direction God wants us to go in, then we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and goodness and mercy will follow us. What happened with the children of Israel? We got, we, let's, let, let, let's go back and look at the Old Testament stories. God was with them when they were following Moses. God was with them when they were listening to Moses and doing what Moses said because Moses was, the, was God's mouthpiece at that point. So, the God was with, so God was with them in that point. But the moment they strayed away, what happened? They were thrown into captivity. And they would be in captivity for, in, you know, for a long time. They were in captivity from, in Egypt from when Joseph, when Joseph died, it said, the pharaohs forgot about Joseph's God. And that's when they were in captivity. And that's when all that happened because they had gotten too used to being in Egypt and they got too used to being all that stuff, and they, were, and they were following the false gods, and so they were in captivity. Moses came and pulled them out of that. But it took Moses quite a while. So they were in captivity for quite a while in that scenario. And there were other captivities. You know, you look at Gideon and the judges. They were under captivity and from, from, from the Amalekites and the, and the Amorites, and they had to call out, and they sent Gideon as a deliverer. But it's because they didn't follow the path. We have to follow the path for goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our lives. And at the end of our life, at the end of our days, if we are following God, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's where we will be. We will be with the Lord forever. But it takes work. It takes work. Following takes work, especially in the 21st century. Following takes work. We don't want to follow. We don't want to follow anybody. We want to be in control. We want to be in charge. We want to be the one leading the pack. Come my way, go my way, go here, go there.
We don't want to follow. We want to lead. So it's foreign to us to follow. How, how many of us have a, job, have, have a job where you have a supervisor over them? Do you ever have anything? I mean, do you always have good things to say about your supervisor, or do you think you could do his job better sometimes? Okay? That's an indicator that we don't want to follow. We want to lead. Right? I've been there. Every job I've ever had, I had management training, and I thought, you know what? I could run this place better than this guy. I've got training. You know? So I understand that. But that's an, that's an attitude that was within myself and with every, within everybody. I am not willing to follow. I want to lead. I want to be the one out in front. And if we are willing to follow God, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We'll have blessings. How many of us have thought to ourselves, well, I wouldn't have done that if some, like if somebody, uh, let's say you prayed for somebody, they didn't get what they wanted or God didn't answer the way you wanted to. Were you ever upset about that? Why are, why are we upset about that? We're upset about that because they, we didn't get what we wanted. At the core, we're thinking, I could have done it better. See, we want to lead, we don't want to follow. God says, follow. If we suffer loss through prayer, we pray and we pray and we pray and we still have loss, predominantly what happens is people get angry. They get angry. I remember I was talking to my brother. My brother lost his son to cancer when he was 11 or he was 7, something like that. I don't remember. I had two, two nephews that both died at young ages. And I remember he was talking about how he would sit out at the cemetery. He said, he said many, many, many nights he'd sit out at the cemetery and just punch the steering wheel. But that's what he dealt with. He was angry. But God had a plan. But we can understand that anger. But the reconciliation of that is, do we understand the plan? Do we follow? And I can remember there were times in my life, probably all of us can say, there was times in our lives when something didn't go the way we wanted and we were angry. That's us saying we, we could have done it better than God. But God has a plan and God wants us to follow and we want to lead and not follow. So we need to follow. We need to follow. And if we follow, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Why? Because we follow God. We didn't go our own way. That's when we have pseudo-peace and pseudo-joy uh, and happiness when we don't follow God. We, we're happy and we're joyful and we have peace, but it's pseudo-peace because as soon as something goes wrong, all of that's out the window. But when we follow God, we can have all that stuff going on and we can still have the peace and joy of God.
but we have to follow in order for that to happen. And if we follow, like I said a minute ago, we will be with God forever. We'll be with God forever. Every time I do a funeral, I ask the people to think about their best day they've ever had in their life. Some of us say, oh, so my child was born, or some say other things. But if you think about the best day you've ever had in your life, that pales, that does not pale in comparison at all. That does not compare at all to the, to the day that our loved one or our friend is having right now in heaven. And that's because they followed. That's because they, they did what God wanted them to do. We're with God. So what are some things we can take away? We need to understand a few things. Number one, we are sheep. We can't do it on our own. We need to be led. We don't, we're not born leaders in Christian. We are in, in the Christian faith. We need to follow. And God gives leadership to those who follow him, right? So we need to follow God. We need to understand that we are the sheep. He is the shepherd. We need to understand, number two, that we cannot do this on our own. Our provision, our things come from him. The things that we have in this life come from him. Not our own ingenuity, not our own uh, fortitude, but it comes from him. In God, we know, number three, in God there is peace and tranquility, true peace and tranquility. In him there's true peace and tranquility. Number four, we have no fear when we walk with God. Fear should not be a part of our life, although we do have fear, but we know where to bring it. We don't dwell on it. We're going to have fear, but we should know also in that time of fear where to bring that fear to and allow God to deal with it and ask God to remove it from us. So we should not fear. Number five in all that, and all that fear and all that discouragement, we know that God's blessing is still there. It's still there if we follow. God's blessing is still there if we follow. And the last one, if we follow, we will be with him for eternity. That's basically what this is saying. We need to realize that we can't do it on our own. We need to follow him, and if we do so, we'll be with him for eternity. That's basically the crux of this. So your assignment this week is to search your heart before God and find out if you're a leader or a follower. And when I say leader, I mean, are you trying to lead God or is God leading you? And if God is leading you, continue to do so. Continue to walk with God. But if you're trying to lead God and trying to, to command God's moves, you need to repent and ask God to forgive you and allow God to move in your life. And he'll change it around. You need to follow him. Ask God to show you where to grow. Ask God to show you how to grow and allow him to work. See, a lot of the things that we deal with in this life, we, we say, well, I, I have to repent and I have to ask God, but then 
where we fall short is the, the application of what God tells us to do. God might say to you in this time of, God, am I a leader or a follower? And God says, well, you're leading me. Let me lead. The problem there is the application, turning over that control to God. Because we don't like that. We don't like that. But God wants us to do that. So that's where the, we fall short is in the application. I find in my, in my personal experience with people is that they have no problem asking God where they are falling short or have no problem asking God what they can do to be better, a better person or a better Christian. They have no problem doing that. The problem is in doing then what God wants them to do. Either they feel they can't do it, they don't want to do it, or they're not equipped to do it. But nevertheless, that's the problem in the application part. If God says start, stop, or change something, and he spells out what we're supposed to start, stop, or change, it is our responsibility to do that and not just say, well, God wants me to start this, but I'm not equipped to do it, so I'm not going to do it. God wants me to witness to somebody, but I, I'm not a people person, so I can't. Or God wants me to give over this bitterness against this person, but he did so much or she did so much to me that I cannot give that over. So that's where we fall short is in the application. So when I say to you, pray and ask God if you're a leader or a follower, and if you're a leader leading God and he says to do this, it's, we have to do those things. We have to make that change in order to grow. You know, in order to grow. Make sense? I hope it does. I pray that it does. But that's our, that's our goal, is to be more like Christ and less like ourselves, and that takes following. That takes walking with God, not walking our own way, saying we're just, we're, we are, you know, Christians and we're more like Christ when we're really not. Okay? Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Pray that you'd bless this time as, Lord, we pray. Bless the rest of our day and the rest of our week. Help us to lean heavily upon you. Help us to apply the direction you're going to give us this week. Help us to, Lord, be that which you want us to be. Minister to us and minister through us by your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we give you praise and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.